0: Come on, you ready to go this morning? Uh, We started a series last week. We're going to be on it for three weeks. So this is uh, lesson two. One more week after this, called "Believe No Lies." Um, Really started the genesis of it, if you will. Began months and months ago. As I was thinking, you know, like a lot of us, it just seems like there is a stupor over our nation, and and, um, uh, it's almost like stupid has gotten the check mark. Like it's okay to be stupid. It's okay to believe stupid. I mean, have you ever looked at stuff and gone, "That is so stupid. How can anybody believe it?" And, And and we're We're seeing it over and over, and and in our generation, stupid is celebrated, it seems like. Stupid is accepted. Come on, can I get an amen up in here? We're not calling anybody stupid, but it seems like at times in my life and probably your life, you believe something stupid. You believe something unreal, and thank God for for understanding the truth that we can find in the word of God that will combat any lies. So that's kind of where we jumped off last week, that, that it is possible to live a life where we believe no lies if, if. The big if is we have our life grounded on something that is truth and we found out the only lasting truth, the only enduring truth is truth from the Word of God. We've known things before that were told to us, just natural things that were truth, and they turned out not to be true. And so we're going beyond that, we're looking beyond all that to the Word of God, which tells us Jesus said in John 14, we found out last week, where he said, I am the way, come on, help me out, I am the truth and I am the life. So, so a life for a believer It has to be based on the truth of who Jesus is and who and what. The word of God is. We we jumped off with the scripture last week. We'll read it this week, and again one more time next, next week, just to get it in us. Uh, in, in Galatians chapter one, verse six and seven, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and, and this letter was going to be t- you know read to some different uh, churches, some different you know house churches around that, and, and he's telling them that you know that they had started out their life that they were most of the folks were either they were either Jews uh, uh, and then had heard the message of Jesus and received him. Lord or they were just pagans and never heard never were Jewish they were just had no religious affiliation and, and they heard the Word of God uh, and then the, the the scripture but Paul's telling these guys in context is the, the Jewish people were trying to get them to come back under an Old Testament legal system of law. Not under, not under, under the, the salvation of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Not about the blood of Jesus. It was about you, you've got to work your way. You've got to earn your way. You've got to earn your salvation. And So Paul is combating that thought all in this letter. But the truth of what we're hearing in this series, Believe No Lies really can look back to this scripture too that we can make the connection. I think you can as we read this. Galatians chapter one, verse six and seven, it says this. I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself. Notice he called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, A, a different way. It pretends, it looks like it, But it's just not. Now check it out what he says in verse 7. He says, But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning the Christ. Now this was the religious side, of course this is the spiritual side, that, that we're talking about people who had given their lives to God and then other people were trying to come into their life and try to get them to go back under a way of legalism and law. And he said, you, you guys started right, but, but you've been fooled. A couple of different translations says you've been tricked, you've been swindled, you've been talked out of what we spoke to you. And and now you're, you're believing a different gospel. And he goes on. One translation says it's really no gospel at all. You're believing something that you believe is truth, but it is not truth. And isn't it sad that a person could go their entire life and find out at the end of their life what I believed was false, what I gave my life for wasn't true. Wasn't real. Was you know smoke and mirrors. It just it, it it wasn't what everybody said it was, and so that's why we're coming to the to, to this series, and we're well, hopefully our eyes are opening, our hearts are opening. We we want to be aware. We want to we we want to have a a quick leash, if you will. We want we don't want to let things get too far down the road where we believe a lie. Or we we believe some fantasy, as Paul said somewhere else. We believe. False words and false notions that have no basis and authority from the word of God specifically. We looked at a term last week, it's called relativism. Let's give you that definition one more time. That relativism, it means this. The doctrine, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. In other words, as you look at this, relativism says if it was knowledge, truth, and morality in the 60s, if that was God's will in the 60s, it's not knowledge, truth, and morality in the 2020s. It's different. It's different. Now, that's not what the Word of God says. God says if it's absolute truth for the 60s, it's got to be absolute truth for the 2020s. And so now, let's just kind of jump in the middle of, our, of a mess, a puddle, if you will, this morning, is that now we got this whole thing with, with we can't even identify, not we, but society, can't even identify what a woman is. People are struggling with what a woman is, right? So we've got this stuff with what, what, what a man is or what a woman is, and then we've got this whole thing where people say, a man can get pregnant. Guys, this is not the truth. This is not absolute truth. You can't call whatever you want to call and that be your truth. You can, but it is still not true. We've got to come to that realization from the word of God. We're not calling anybody out. We're just saying that's not true. You have believed a lie. And and we, we we see and a lot of us in the room and online we can see things like that that are so direct so so straightforward so so absolute and others have been have been shrouded others have been veiled from the truth of that because they've opened themselves up to a lie and lies grow they grow we know Jesus actually called Satan the father of lies he actually said in John eight he's been a liar from the beginning. He always was. He's called an accuser. Come on, he's a liar. He is a deceiver. So his job coming at you and me and the world is to bring a lie to bring accusation and to bring deception of who you are of who Jesus is of who the word what what the Word of God is saying and 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 to look at your life in a relativistic if that's a word term saying well that was good for mom and dad now their faith was okay but it's just different now it, it, no 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 if it was good then for Moses come on somebody it's good for us up in here today if it was good for Josh come on if it was good for Peter, James, and John It's good for us today. The word of God will endure all generations. Can somebody clap your hands, all you people, just a little bit right there. So we said this last week, we believe, I believe, and I think a lot of us in the room and online probably as well, we believe in absolute truth. There is something called absolute truth. It doesn't shift. It doesn't sway. It doesn't move with the current and the culture and the generations of the world. It is constant. It is the same. You can anchor your life to it. It is the truth. Amen, everybody? Last week we said this. This real quick little review before we jump into some new stuff is that the Apostle John makes a distinction. I loved it. The Apostle John makes a distinction. This is in 1 John, because that's what you read last week, those five chapters. The Apostle John makes a a distinction between the world and the believer. He says there's a difference between the world and the believer. He says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in it, but not of it. You're, you're in it, you're functioning, you look like everybody else, you drive what they drive, you wear what they wear, you shop what they shop, you eat what they eat, but you are not in it. You're, you're in it, but you're not a culture of it. Your culture comes from heaven you're thinking different you're acting different you're believing different you're speaking different because it's a d- distinction between the world and the believer we have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light we've been translated from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of the son of God come on we've got a different king we've got a different culture we've got a different truth we've got a different way come on everybody we've got a different lord come on we've we've got different thoughts in our lives uh, or else will believe, even though we've been called out, we'll still believe back in an old culture. We'll still believe in in an old system. We'll still believe something that is not true. John went on to call this and he said, he he used the words they and you. It's really interesting. He he talks about they believe this, but you believe something different. He called it and he talked about it this way. He called about it and said it's like the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. So so John just boils it all down to just these two things, not a myriad of things. He just calls and says there's a spirit of error and there's a spirit of truth. The spirit of error is the way the world thinks, the way the world operates, the way the world values. The spirit of truth is what Jesus said in his word, what he values, what his purpose is for a believer's life. And we have a choice whether we will sit under the spirit of truth or the spirit of error, but you gotta realize these two things, these two battles are going on every single day you wake up. Are you gonna believe something that's erroneous, that will lead you down a way, that will never produce light, will never produce the life of God, will never produce peace, will never produce the joy of God, will never produce the good works of salvation, or will you believe the truth that will do all that? We got a choice every single day John says this. He says, to believe no lies. We found out last week. He said that you're believing. Your listening and your speaking has got to change. Again, to believe no lies, your believing, your listening, and your speaking has to change. You can't keep believing something that's, not, that's false and your life change. You can't keep speaking the way the world does that's erroneous and your life change. You can't keep listening to crazy stuff and it not affect you because your life will not change. So my believing, my speaking, my listening has got to change if i'm going to stay in this position of the truth come on somebody say amen Amen. i don't want to believe any lie i don't think anybody i don't think anybody goes into the life and says you know i want to believe a bunch of lies i want i want i want want to i want to come to the end of my life and go what was the purpose I, i i believed a bunch of crazy stuff i don't think anybody does that but that is the deceptiveness of the devil he will constantly sneak things into you that, that, that have a, a taste or a hint of truth, but they're crazy. And then there's just some stuff to, like right now that I said that for me, and I think a lot of us in the room and online listen and go, how does anybody believe this nonsense? Well, that is the progression of deception. That is the progression of just a little error. And so the only thing that remedies that is the absolute truth of the word of God. And for the believer, we know, when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're not alone, come on everybody. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, come on, comes in and brings all his stuff into your life. And so we found out that we've got an anointing on the inside of us. We've got an anointed one on the inside of us who is truth, who will keep us and guard us and protect us and, and talk to us, saying, You're listening to something crazy up there. You better believe the word of God. Come on, everybody. Has anything ever happened like that where you're, where you're watching something, you're hearing something, and all of a sudden, something on the inside called the Holy Spirit goes, That ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. Better shut that off or that don't believe that. That's the truth of the word of God. That is the truth giving spirit. Jesus said in John 16, I think of the Amplified, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is the truth giving spirit. Glory to God. He's going to keep you in the truth. He's going to direct you in the way of the truth. What Jesus said, he's going to bring to your mind all that Jesus said, which is the truth. That's why we keep reading the word of God. I wanna keep hearing what God said, keep hearing what Jesus said, so we can combat the lies that are going on in society. What I wanna do for the remainder of our time, I wanna look at five lies of identity. This is from a Dutch, uh, a Dutch theologian who was actually a Catholic priest and, and got involved in pastoral ministry for years over in the Netherlands. And he wrote, he was a psychologist as well, brilliant guy named Henry Nguyen. And he wrote, and this has been going, this, he died in 1996 at a young, young age, but this was written years and years and decades ago, and it's been a mainstay for not only my, uh, my life, but for so many people's lives that have read after him. And I want to give you these five laws, or excuse me, five lies of identity, because I think they're going to help us identify tactics of the enemy and how he'll have an inroad into our life if we're not ready. Are you guys ready for that? All right, line number one, line number one. I am what I have, a lie of an enemy. I am what I have. This lie says this, what house or neighborhood you live in, what kind of car you drive, how many diamonds you have on your ring, where you shop, where, what you wear, how, how many toys you have, how many zeros are at the end of your bank account, your checking account, your, your savings account, your investment account, your, your 401k, how, how new your iPhone is or was. This person's identity is all based on their stuff. I, I am what I have. If, I'm, if I've not got the latest greatest, I, I, I feel it. My, my worth is not what it should be. I feel bad about what I have. Some of you in the room, maybe uh, you were raised in a family and the eldest, as a child, the eldest got the, got, got the new clothes and they just passed their way down. All, all the way down. The, those jeans were worn, and, and I remember back in the day, some of you guys old like me, I remember back in the day with three boys, we were raised, uh, me and one well, of my parents had three boys, we were all one year apart, and I remember that that uh, my, my older brother's jeans a couple times, I, I began wearing, and, and, and they were wore out in the knees, and we used to put those little, those little straps and kind of iron patches on. The, I, I, come on, anybody remember patches? Come on. Wow, we got some people that are smart in the room like me. That just means you're old. Come on, just means you're old. <laughs> old like me. I am what I have. So, so, so some people now are going through life, and they're in counseling. Nothing wrong with counseling. They're in, you know, in therapy. Nothing wrong with all that. But, but they're, they're, they're going back to their childhood, and they didn't have what they think they should have. And so their life is a wreck right now. It's a wreck. Lie the enemy. I am what I have. Paul, or excuse me, Jesus said, uh, talked about a parable in Luke chapter 12. We'll just read one, one scripture. In Luke 12, verse 14, he said this. He was talking to a dude, and he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the things he possesses. Your life is not consisting of what you have or what you don't have. Your life isn't consistent before God if you have a big house or a little house, if you have a new car or a used car. The the lie of the enemy is, is I am what what I have. So it's the constant acquiring of more. I I want more. I got to have more. I need more to be accepted. I I need more to feel good about myself. I, I need more to be around these certain people. I've got to, you know, the phrase, you know, years ago, I don't know if it's still a phrase now, I, I got to keep up with the Joneses. I, I, I got to keep up with what they got. They got a new car, I got to get a new car. I, I, I'm, you know, some, some people, when they raise up and they're gr- going through the, the corporate setting, they, they look around and, and the pressure on a person to be like the people around them to dress like the people around them, to have what the people around them have, even though you can't afford it. The lie of the enemy is, I am what I have. And maybe on the other side of that that, that coin, maybe it's not the abundance, maybe you have little. Maybe you're the person this morning that you just have little, that, that you've experienced job loss. Maybe you've experienced a divorce. Maybe you experienced bankruptcy, and so you're looking at your life, and, man, I, 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 I'm not the dude with the plenty and trying to get more. I, 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 I'm in a financial hole right now. Um, maybe your job situation that, you know, you're in a, in a job just, just because, and you're not in a high-wage income you know, earning job. And so you look at your life, and I am what I have. So it's not on the positive side, trying to get more. I just don't have anything just because this is where I'm at right now. L- listen, man, just say a truth to you, just try to help people, is that godly worth isn't based on worldly values. Godly worth isn't based on worldly values. So you can't look at yourself from the scripture, what the scripture says, and if you believe that you are what you have, it's going to work something in your life that is detrimental to your spiritual growth. God looks at your worth. Can I say it this way? He doesn't look at your net worth. He looks at your worth. Uh, Paul says something interesting, I think, in Philippians chapter 4. It's really Philippians is a partner letter that Paul's writing to this church that prayed for him and gave to him consistently. And he says something interesting starting in verse 12. He says this, I know how to be abased, live humbly. And I know how to abound, live in prosperity. Everywhere in all things I have learned, look, notice that, learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. Look at that. I, I know how. I know how to live a life when I've got an abundance, and I know how to live a life when I don't have an abundance. Paul by trade, every Jewish boy was was taught a trade in life. Paul was a tent maker. And he would go, as he, went, as he turned his life over to, to Jesus, he went from city to city preaching. One of the things we know that he would do, he would grab hold and, and join with some other people that were tent makers, make some extra cash, and do what he needed to do so he could survive and preach, because no one's su- supporting him at that time. Yet we know this church wound up doing, the church at Philippi wound up doing that. But he said, there were times in my life that I didn't have plenty. There were times in my life that I did have plenty. And he said, I I know how to do it. I know how to handle both of these equations. Then he says and he tells us how. And it it is the scripture that is taken out of context more than not. So please don't take this scripture out of context. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says this concerning financial woes and financial Excess. I know how to do all this because it's Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can have an abundance because my life is going to be a funnel and I'm going to be given to other people out of the abundance he's given me. And there's going to be times in my life that I don't have an abundance. I have great need, but I know that the same God who was good to me then is going to be good to me today because he's going to strengthen me. Can somebody say amen and Amen. First live identity, I am what I have. Second live identity that Henry Nguyen found in society is this. I am what I do. I am what I do. My identity is solely in what I do for a living. The more you work, the, you, 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 you keep moving up the corporate ladder, you keep looking for that, that other initial at the end of your name. You, you, you think if you take that new position, that new position is going to bring you peace. It's going to get your name out there. It's going to open up all kinds of doors. L- listen, we're, we're a church, and I'm, I'm, I'm a people. I'm a person, I should say, that, that, that I believe you should just keep moving forward. If you've got moving forward in you, if you've got want to keep you know, growing, you want to keep moving up the corporate ladder, I'm down with that. You want to keep, you want to keep taking the class and you want to you know, you know, ha, uh, have more influence in your life, I'm down with that. But if you believe that is going to bring worth to your life, that's where the error is. That's where the error is. It's like somebody said, you can wind up climbing the corporate ladder and wind up thinking and realizing the ladder was at the wrong house. I'm climbing up the wrong place. I thought this was going to bring me joy. It didn't bring me joy. It brought you a headache. Brought you a heartache. I thought I thought more money was going to be my answer. I just got, you know, I just got an extra $15,000 a year. Jesus, man, that'll change somebody's life. But that $15,000 a year was in a job I hated with people I didn't want to be with. So you need to look at at, in your own life, concerning what God's spoken for you to do, that I am what I do. I, I, my worth isn't what I'm doing. My, my, my worth isn't in my net worth. My worth is in what Christ has done for me in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I, I would ask a question for anybody, is, it, is if, if you're identifying your, your what you do with who you are, what happens if what you do is then taken away? What happens if you lose the job? What happens if, you know, God forbid, some kind of accident happened and and you could no longer fulfill that job, and yet your worth is tied into what you do? It's a lie of the enemy concerning that, so i encourage you to identify that. God doesn't value you based on your accomplishments. He doesn't look at your life, and he's not looking at your life going, okay, well, you know, you're a little bit behind. How come you're not like them? He's not comparing you to anybody else. He doesn't value your life based on any other kind of accomplishments because what we do know is that people can be trendsetters today, and how many know they can be trash trashcan tomorrow? So, so for our lives, we can't find our worth in what we do. I think it's interesting, again, when you read the Bible, which we encourage you to read the Bible, is that when you look in the book of Genesis, is that God actually gave Adam a job in the garden. Before, listen, before he had a wife, before he did anything, he gave him a job. But the job wasn't to define him. The job was to empower him. Listen to me planted him in the garden, he placed him there, he gave, a, gave Adam a function to dress, to tend, to keep the garden, keep in what needs to be kept, kept in, keep out what needs to be kept out. And from that place then he brought to him a woman. So I always say this to our young guys, before you get married, you better have a job. Come on somebody. Come on dads, you better have a job, you better have a job, you better have a job. Now, now when we talk about this, that that I am what I do, uh, again, uh, this lie of the enemy, I am what I do, um, uh, God instituted for the Jewish people this system that would completely upend this worldly thought, which this is a worldly thought, I am what I do. The system that God used to upend this worldly thought, listen, is called Sabbath, Sabbath. God said in the Old Testament, a man is going to work six days of the week and he's going to rest one. When God made creation, he worked six days and he rested one called Sabbath. And it's interesting that when God instituted the Sabbath, he did it so that man would worship. Check it out. He'd worship, he'd rest, and he'd trust him. He'd worship, he'd rest, and he'd trust him. You don't need to be working seven days a week. And I don't even know if anymore you need to be working six days a week. I, there's work we do around the house. There's work you do. I think every man, every woman you know, in our culture, so many people, you know, both husband and wife need to work. This isn't man-centric. This is just, just the idea that if I don't keep working, I'm not going to have enough. Listen to me. Your identity isn't what you do. Your identity isn't who Jesus Christ is. And if we'll have Sabbath in our life, a time to worship, a time to rest, a time to reflect, a time to get around the people of God, I believe God will multiply things in your life that can't happen just because you're trying to work it all out. Listen to me. It's a lie of the enemy. We don't have to work our little fingers to the bone. We don't have to try to make a way. God gave us the scriptures and the truth of the word of God on how to make it happen. You know what it's called? It's called we're going to work. Yeah, we're going to work. We're going to love our family. We're going to play hard. We're going to come to church. We're going to have a Sabbath day of rest in the house of God. We're refreshing in times. where refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. We're actually going to tithe. We're going to worship God with our giving. We're going to trust Jesus. And we're going to believe God that he multiplies all that stuff. Come on, everybody. That's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. Go trust God. I, I, again, let, let's give you a scripture along this lines. when Jesus called the disciples in Mark chapter 3. Check it out. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And, and he, meaning Jesus, went up to the mountain, and he called to him those he himself wanted. He, he called who he wanted, Jesus, and they came to him. Look at what it goes on to say, verse 14. Then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. He appointed 12 disciples, number one, not to do anything, but to number one, Be with him. And that he might send them out to preach, it goes on to say in verse 15, and have power to heal sicknesses and cast out devils, demons. Look at verse 14 again. Let's flip back over there, guys. Verse 14. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. Listen to me. The lie of the enemy is that you got to just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, making a way if there's no, if, there, if I'm out there just beating my, beating my feet in the streets, if I'm not on the telephone, if I'm not making the deals, email, if I'm not networking, there will be no net worth in my life. There's, there's truth to that, but there's error to it. Your number one job is to be with him. So we encourage you every single day, whatever your clock is, if it's in the morning, I'm a morning person, I'm going to start my day with him. Because if I start my day with him, he's going to make the rest of my day make sense. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Our worth is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ as sons and daughters. Our worth is not found in our work. Our worth is found in our relationship with him. You're not what you have. You're not what you do. The third lie that Henry knew and found for mankind is this, I am what other people say or whatever people think of me, that's what I am. I am what they think, I'm what they say of me. In other words, you view your entire life through the lens of what other people see, what other people say. And we know that now in our society, it's been you know around for about a decade or so in heightened way, this whole thought with our kids called bullying is that they're looking at what somebody else says and the, the bully is looking at that person and posing their will on them, contributing to their demise, not raising them up. And then that little person looks and says, I must be what they say. Or the young girl who looks in the mirror and she says, I'm fat and she's not fat. And she looks and the mirror's telling her, you're anorexic or you're, you're bulimic. You're, you, 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 I'm not thinking correct, correctly. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm listening to what somebody else says, or I'm listening to what these words are in my own head. I'm believing a lie. I'm not believing the truth. Years ago, um, you know, I think, you know, around here, we just started saying, let's just say this confession. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do, right? I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. That that my life and your life isn't based on what you say of me or what society says of me. Our life is based on what Jesus Christ did for us. Amen, everybody? And so if we're not careful, we'll begin believing a lie that the truth is relative for that person, but it can't be for me, and it will hinge on a couple of other things that we say in closing today, these last two. (laughs) But the scripture is real clear. We know is that every person that makes Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he makes you alive together in Christ. He raises you up together in Christ. He sits you together in Christ. This is your place of worth. This is what God thinks about you. This is the, this is the extent that God did for you to restore you in perfect harmony with him. He sent Jesus to be your sin remover, your sin in your sin place, and now he sees you holy. Pure, righteous, come on, uncontaminated. You're not involved in you just out of sin, out of darkness. That's what Jesus sees. And can I say it this way? If you're struggling with that this morning, or you have ever struggled with that, I would encourage you to read Ephesians chapter one. Because in Ephesians chapter one, just about the first, I don't know, about, about the first 15 verses, the apostle Paul says stuff like this: You're blessed. You're chosen, you're accepted, you're redeemed, you're predestined. Come on, you're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. Come on, everybody. He says says that, 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 just tells us in the scripture in John 8, if God's for you, who can be against you? Come on, so our identity isn't in what other people think, isn't in what other people say. Our identity is in what God says and what God thinks of me. Low self-worth can always be overcome by high Bible believing. One more time. Low self-worth can always be overcome by high Bible believing. So if you're struggling, if you look at your life going... Look at what everybody else has. Look where everybody else is living. Look what everybody else is doing. I'm not doing any of that. We've got to filter that again with what the truth of God says concerning you as an individual. I refuse to believe the lie. I refuse to live under the weight. I refuse to live under the pressure of looking and listening to what other people say or what other people think of me. My value, your value is Solidified in what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, and what he's done for you personally. Amen, everybody. I like this again. I love what the Bible says because the Apostle Paul said something crazy, and it's not a scripture that probably a lot of us have remembered, or even think about, but it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read it to you in verse 3 and 4. Paul writes and he says this As for me, it matters very little how I might be valued by you. <laughs> I don't care what you value me or by any other human authority. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. He says, I don't care what you think about me, and I don't care what they think about me. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. Stop right there. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My feelings are going to lie to me, he says, about my own worth, what you say about me, Or what the system is saying about me. The Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant man. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, the scripture tells us. One of the noted Jewish historians and teachers at that time. He was next in line. He was moving up the corporate religious ladder. And yet, when he was persecuting the church, he got struck down to the ground, That the scripture says, a bright light. And he heard Jesus talking to him. And he said, why are you kicking against the pricks, man? It's like, it's, like, it's, it's like a horse. We're trying to get you to go in a different direction. You're going the wrong direction, brother. And he gave his life to Jesus. And from that point on, he didn't care what anybody else thought about him or what anybody else valued him, his direction in his life. The scripture says he left it all. He said, in fact, Philippians 3, he says, I counted all that stuff. He said is dung. It's all worthless. It's all, can I say it this way? It's all going down the toilet. All the stuff I thought was important isn't important at all. Because he realized that my value is based on who Jesus is. My value isn't based on what the world says about me. I don't even trust my own judgment. My own feelings about this matter. Check it out what he says in the next verse, verse verse 4. My conscience is clear. He said, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me. Come on. My conscience is clear, but you know what? I realize it's not, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just pumping myself up. The Lord's the one who's going to examine me. So the scripture's real clear. We are all going to stand before the Lord and give an account of what we do with our life. Amen, everybody? So I'm not trying to impress you. You shouldn't be trying to impress me. We're not trying to pose and posture and try to look something we're not. The greatest thing that we can be is be real with one another and receive the healing and love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And just be the body of Christ who loves one another, prays for one another. Come on, in weeping and rejoicing. Come on, he's good. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not what other people say or think about me. I'm who God says about me. I don't even judge my own life. I don't even think about my own life that way. Man, Jesus loved me and died for me. I must be worth something. Amen? Amen. Two more. You're doing real good. He said this, number four. I am nothing more, Henry did, I'm nothing more than my worst moment. A lie of identity. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. What I did back then, I can't quite get over that person that I hurt, that I abused, that, 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 that relationship that I, I wronged, that, that person that I was in a sexual liaison with and I ruined my family and I ruined her or his family, that job that I wanted and I screwed it up And I stole the money from the boss. Causing shame to my name and shame to my family. Real stuff. The money I stole from my parents and I got involved and became an addict. The shame that I brought. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. The scripture tells us when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, You're not just an old sinner cleaned up. You're a brand new person in Christ. First John, we we, we talk about it a lot around here, you know, just when when we pray for people. But the reality is true. First John 1.9 says, tells us, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, confession brings cleansing. Confession brings cleansing. One more time. Confession brings cleansing. If this is in the scripture, and this is truth, that when I confess my sin, my error, my misgiving, my my wrong, wrong deed, whatever I've done, he's faithful and he's just to forgive me and to cleanse me. And we know the power of the blood of Jesus has the power to reach into our conscience and cleanse us from every evil work. The power of the blood of Jesus can remove the stain of sin, the remembrance of sin. That now we live under this cloud, even though we've made Jesus the Lord of our life, that we live under this cloud of regret and shame, remembering the pain we cause in our own life or the pain we've caused to somebody else. Confession brings cleansing. Again, you're not alone. Everybody in the room, everybody online has faced something and or many things that you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of. If anybody in the room knew what was in everybody else's closet, we would all be shocked and probably not want to come back to church. Let's be real. Thank God. Can me say, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Come on, come on. Come on, let's cl- come on. Clap a little louder right then. I'm a- clapping up in here. Uh, the apostle Paul, again, we, we, we talk about him much because he writes about two-thirds of the New Testament. And, 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 and the Bible doesn't hold back from the truth. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Check it out, verse 9. He says this. I am the least of all the apostles who I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. If we stop right there, end a story, this is not what we're talking about. I'm remembering my worst moment, Paul said. He would drag people out of their house. He would imprison them on the way for them being killed because they were following this thing called the way. He was a Jewish zealot. You can't do that. He would persecute the church. He would, he would kill, try to kill people. He said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Because this is what I did. This was in my past. This is part of who I am. But thank God he doesn't stop there, church. Read what he says in verse 10. But by the grace of God. Come on, somebody shout the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace Toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Come on, somebody say, Amen the grace of God, the ability of God, the power of God, the goodness of God that goes before you and says, that's not who you are. That might have been what you did but that's not who you are. You're a new person in Christ. You're redeemed. You're called. You're chosen. You're accepted. You're blessed. You're highly favored. Yeah, we all got a pass that if everybody knew we'd, sh- we'd never come to your house for Halloween candy. But notice this. <laughs> but I labored more abundantly than them all. Listen to me. What was the labor? What was the, I, I worked, I worked. I, I, I had to go to city to city and I had to preach and I had to preach to show my work to God. No, I labored more abundantly than them all in the word of God to find out who he is and what he's done for me in his death, burial and resurrection that I'm not that old man anymore. I'm not an old religious zealot anymore. I'm not a persecutor. Anymore. I'm not a defamer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not come on, I'm not a homosexual anymore. I'm a brand new creature in Christ. His grace is for me. Come on everybody. I labored in the word of God for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. Nothing more than my word. I'll never never get over this. I'll, I'll, I'll never get past this. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Failure is an event that doesn't have the power to define you unless you let it. Failure is an event, and we've all failed in here. But it doesn't have the power to define you unless you let it. And if you let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse you, if you let the blood of Jesus Christ work into the recesses of your heart, and change the way you think, and to stop believing that lie, you'll have the greatest end of 2022 coming into 2023 that you ever have in your life. Amen, everybody. Amen. Last one, he said. The lie of the enemy, I'm nothing more than my worst, you know, my worst moment, the fifth one and the final one. I, I, I'm nothing more than my best moment. My, my, my best days are behind me. It's like the 60-year-old guy going, you know, hanging out and going out in town, not just because he likes the vintage clothing, but because he's got his letterman jacket when he ran for the touchdowns in high school. And he's trying to live remembering when, remembering the good old days when I, when I hit that home run. I've got a baseball somewhere in my house. Uh, in 19 it's got the coach was so shocked because I was a terrible baseball player he was so shocked that I hit a home run off Mike Kearns it says it home run off Mike Kearns of the team called pharmacy this is in Hillsdale New Jersey and it tells the date because the coach was shocked I think I closed my eyes and swung the bat come on somebody (laughs) I think so and it went over the fence I was shocked I think the coach said run I had to run around the bases come on somebody I still got the baseball. But if I remember that going, that was a great, I was 10 years old. Greatest moment of my life. Wow. I'm nothing more than my best moment. The good old days. The good old days. What I've realized is that your performance doesn't position you for greatness in God's kingdom. Your performance doesn't position you for greatness in God's kingdom. Listen. Listen. Your daily obedience to his will does. Your daily obedience to his will does. This is what will cause your life to have meaning and your life today and every day to be great. I don't want to remember back 10 years. I was great. Can I, can I be honest with you? I, I can fight this a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Just op- open up my chest to you. Uh, before COVID hit, you know, church, man, hundreds and hundreds coming to church. So come on, two services. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Come on, you remember? Yeah. And then now we little skinny up in here right now. <laughs> but how many of you believe that? Like the song we sang, God of Revival, he's going to do it again. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Right. And we're no different. Every church has experienced the same thing. But if I'm, as a lot of my friends, and we've talked, if you needed a crowd to preach, whoo. Then you're being a man pleaser instead of a God pleaser. Amen. It, 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 your, 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 your values based on who's there, not who is there. called God, Amen. right? And, and, and so so I, I'm less than my best moment. So now I remember I remember twenty nineteen, and wow, man, come on, come on, what kicking butt and taking name? God's moving our city, ah, and then now who who where'd they go? <laughs> who 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 up in here? Who getting scared? No, we ain't getting scared. We're gonna preach the gospel. Come on, everybody. He's still gonna save people, still gonna deliver people, still gonna heal people. Yeah, yeah. I'm nothing I'm nothing more than just my my my, my best moment. My, my best moment was back there. I, I just don't believe that. One last scripture. Come on, the music's gonna come on. We don't have a keyboard here, but the music's gonna come on. I don't know, Leo, you playing? There's Leo. Leo, come up here. Come on, Leo. Come on, give it up for Leo. Come on, Leo. If you don't know, come on. Leo's, Leo's a keyboard player at Mount Zion. We, we, we have a Spanish ministry that's in the building on Sunday nights and Wednesday. Leo's a keyboard player for them. So, man, we love you. Thanks for being here. Man, love him, love him, love him. Great church, great church. Pastor Hugo doing a great job. I, I love what Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 10. Check it out. Mark chapter 10, talking about your, your obedience to God's will and your daily obedience to him. It is really gonna continue to be and produce the best moment in your life. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus called all these people together and he said, all all the other nations of rulers, man, I got rulers. You know that those rulers love to show their power over the people and their important leaders, love to use all their authority. What's he tell us to do in verse 43? He says, but it should not be that way among you. Whoever wants to become great among you must serve the rest of you like a servant. You want to be great? He says, i got a remedy for you Want to be great. You can't look back at your old life and say, that was great back then. I'm not doing anything now. Every day can be a great day if you'll choose to serve today. I want to serve other people. I want to pray for people that you put on my heart, Lord God. I, I, want, to, I, I want to have a life. I can say it this way. Spiritual significance is built over a lifetime of surrender. Spiritual significance built over a lifetime of surrender every day just saying yes I'm going to surrender my life and and someone said this I didn't come up with this But everyone can become great because everyone can learn how to serve I can become great every single day by just laying down my life and serving I'm nothing more than my worst moment. I'm nothing more than my best moment that the best moment was 25 years ago. No, I can have a great moment today I'm gonna serve I got have a great moment tomorrow cuz I make up my mind I'm gonna serve you're more than what you have you're more than what you do you're more than what other people think about you or you even think about yourself you're more than your worst moment and you're more than your best moment every single day my worth my identity is now found in Christ not the world not even my own self not my emotions it's found in Christ not what I have not what I've achieved not the toys in my house or my yard <laughs> my worth is found in Christ if I'm gonna believe no lie I've got to come to the realization he has to be the center of mine your life and everything in our life revolves around that and he's gonna give us constant opportunities to serve him and know him more and more every day so it's a choice Someone said earlier on the team today, every day, that I'm going to have a choice, and I'm just going to honor you and worship you. I want to make sure if I'm climbing the corporate ladder, uh, that I'm, I'm climbing it for the right reasons. And I think you should, if that's what God's got for your heart. I'm not climbing it because I need more initials at the end of my name. I'm not climbing it so I get a bigger office on the corner, you know? And so everybody come walk by me and, and kind of look at me, you know? No, no, no. I want the bigger office. So I can have more influence reaching more and more people around this corporation for Jesus Christ I want to use my position not for prestige But I want to use my position to bring the power of God to bear in a new way whatever that is And maybe today as we said you're on the other end of that You're not moving up it seems like you're moving down Moving down well listen the grace of God that'll help you moving up It'll help you while you're down The grace of God will carry you, strengthen you, embolden you, give you courage to endure and change the way you think and alter your your feelings and emotions where you siphon it all through the word of God. You you told me I could have peace. You told me I could have wholeness. You told me this isn't the end of my story. So my faith is going to rise today. And I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord, come on, somebody, in the land of the living. That's what David said. Come on, we're going to see it. Amen, everybody. Come on, clap if you believe that. Yeah. Come on, let's pray. I look around the room. I see a bunch of believers in the room. So come on, let's just pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you've been with us today. We sensed you during worship. We heard you during the word. Our kids are hearing the scriptures and youth in ministry all across this facility today. Lord God, so we're not, we're, we're not stressed, we're not distressed. We're people who believe God. We're people who trust you. We're not going to live under the lies of the enemy. We're not going to believe the lies of this identity that the world says. Jesus, open our eyes. Open our heart. Open our mind as we prayed this morning. Plant the seeds of truth in us that combat the spirit of error in the world. Thank you, Father, for it today. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody said amen. Come on, say it a bigger amen. Come on, stand with me, everybody. Praise the Lord. Come on, Lord is good. Amen. His mercy is still enduring. Faithful for generations. We sang that song. He is God. He's faithful for generation after generation after generation. He always will be. He never will not be. Come on. So a good idea for a lot of us, as we've said a couple weeks ago, shut off the media for a while. Maybe you need to have a media fast and get in the Word fast and allow the truth of the Word to saturate your soul. Can, can I tell you, just real, if you look around, just like in our city, and you go, dear God, look at all these homeless people. are well, we gonna got another... And not saying dear God I'm believing for answers I'm believing for remedy I'm believing for help look at these crazy politicians Lord raise up godly judges and justices and godly men and women for government it'll change your focus it'll change your focus spirit of truth spirit of error a lie or the truth of what God's will and purpose is. Amen, everybody? Come on, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Come on, we'll have our prayer partners up here if we can pray for you about anything, but be blessed today, come on, Jesus is Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. Come on, somebody. Turn around, say hey to somebody, we love you. There's some donuts out there today, so come on, get your fat on and your sugar high. Let's go.